Thanks for listening to the River in the Hills weekly sermon. We hope you enjoy this message by Sloan Adams. For more about this podcast and other resources, visit our website at www.riverinthehills.com. I am so honored to be standing in front of you this morning. Uh, For those of you uh, that did not enjoy or do not enjoy history or government classes, too bad. We're going there this morning. Uh, I'm going to, my goal is that as you leave this place, you would be inspired to love, first of all, Jesus more, and secondly, to love our country and to love this nation and the foundations upon which we were built. And this is one of those foundations. The school that I went to when I was a kid, Stonebridge, taught us seven principles that our nation was founded upon. One of them, the third one, is God's principle of self-government. And so today, we're going to be talking about reclaiming who we are by remembering who we were made to be. One of the cool things about our country is that we have a birth date. July 4th of 1776, we have a birthday. Now, if you talk about other countries, right, China, we don't really know, right? Canada, we don't really know, right? There's, but America, we have a day that we were born into existence. And so that's really important because as you guys, all, all of us were born into a world we didn't create. We didn't create this world that we were born into. And so as a result, but we were designed. God designed us a specific way. And I'm going to submit to you this morning that America has a design. And we have strayed from that design. But I'm going to give you some practical tools this morning to understand how do we get back to who we were? How do we get there? Because as many of you know, ever since 2020, things have kind of taken a steep nosedive off of a cliff. How many, how many of you guys know that we've kind of went way off the path? We were kind of veering off the path, and then we just turned, took a hard left turn, and we're like, we're just going to go completely off the road. And I'm going to tell you this morning that one of the most important things for us to understand as, a, as the body of Christ is to, if we can get back to understanding who we were made to be, if we can look at that original blueprint, it's going to give us courage and and strategy on, well, what do we do next? Because that's the most common question right now, right? What do I do? Right? I, I see the direction our nation is going, but what do I do practically? I mean, we know prayer, right? Prayer is a big one. We believe in prayer. This church is a house of prayer, from only from about 10.30 to 12 are we a church. All throughout the rest of the week, we are a house of prayer, right? And so we believe in prayer. But what else can we do? And I believe that I'm standing in front of a group of people, men and women, and even young people, who are asking the question, what can I do? I want to do something. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. Like, I want to do something. So what do we do? And so this morning, we're going to be talking about that. But to kind of set the scene, I want to show you a clip. Most of you will recognize it, but I want to show you a clip from a movie that will kind of get us started this morning. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. 
forgotten who you are and so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Simba. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Remember who you are. You are my son and the one true king. Yeah, so if you can view that through the lens of Scripture, that one, like, one-minute clip will wreck you, because there's so much truth in that. You have forgotten who you are, and so forgotten me. America has forgotten who she is, and so forgotten our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I want you to, those of you that either enjoyed history or didn't, it doesn't matter. My goal is that you would walk out of here with, a, with an absolute appreciation, not for history, but for his story that we are a part of, because that's what history is. History is his story. He's always been the one writing it. He's never taken his hand off the pen. And guess what? He's, the cool thing about him is that he actually wrote the end of the story, and now he's just filling in the details along the way, right? And we get to be a part of that. So the first thing that I want to do is I want to define some terms for you. And we're going to go way back to Webster's 1828 Dictionary. The word govern means to direct and to control as the actions or conduct of men, either by established laws or arbitrary will, to regulate by authority, to keep within the limits prescribed by law or sovereign will, to regulate, to influence, to direct, to control, to restrain, to keep in due subjection as to govern the passions or uh, temper. And fourth, to direct, to steer, or to regulate the course or motion of a ship. The original Latin word guberno actually means to steer a ship. That's what governing is. We're steering a ship, whether it's relationships, leadership, right? We're steering the ships of our lives, right? That's what, and so God has put us on, we are, we are standing at the helm of a ship and God is at looking for a people who will say, will you give me control? Will you let me take the helm? Will we as Americans, first and foremost, as sons and daughters of the kingdom, and secondly, as Americans, will we give control of this ship to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because it's his. It belongs to him. Government, by, by extension, the noun government, first means direction or regulation. Second, it means control or restraint. And third, the exercise of authority, direction, and restraint exercised over the actions of men in communities, societies, or states the administration of public affairs according to established constitution, that's a big one, laws and usages or by arbitrary edicts. And I love that he actually puts both of those in there because he's actually showing you there's two ways that you can govern. You can either govern by a set constitution or set law, or you can be under tyranny and just whatever the man in charge wants to do or woman in charge wants to do, that's what we're going to do. And we were born 
into, like, we have the Declaration of Independence, which is a really, really beautiful, if you think about it like this, Larry Arn from Hillsdale College talks about it like this. He says, imagine, because people will try to convince you that the Constitution and the Declaration are opposed to one another. They are not. The Declaration of Independence is the picture, the masterpiece, and the Constitution is the frame in which that masterpiece sits. That's how we get there. So self-government if we take those two definitions, self-government is the government of oneself. Christian self-government, therefore, is when God's law and love are accepted by the individual heart and govern the inward man. Results when the individual yields his heart or her heart and mind to the government of Christ as defined by God's word through the Holy Spirit. This is the foundation. If it doesn't pass this litmus test, it isn't good and it isn't God. I love what the apostle said in the book of Acts when the Pharisee says, you must stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And they looked them in the eye and said, we must obey God rather than man. When man's law doesn't submit to God's law, we have a fundamental responsibility and ability to respond to this word and this word alone. That's it. In 1654, there was a Dutch humanist. Also, he was a poet, a theologian, and a bunch of other things. So he just, he kind of dabbled in a few things. His name was Hugo Grotius. And in 1654, he gives us, he kind of expounds upon this idea of self-government. Right? So this is one of the men that our founders read and understood and gave them sort of the course to getting to our idea of self-government. Because I'm going to tell you this, and parents, listen to me. When you teach your kids, and as you as an individual drink from the streams of liberty, you will desire to discover their source. You're, you're drinking from the stream, right? Just like Gideon's men were drinking from the stream. Right? And as you drink from the stream and you're like, this is really good water. How many of you guys right now, especially in this heat out there, when you get some good water, you're like, where, where did this come from? And you're reading the back of your bottle, some artesian spring somewhere, right? So when you drink from the good water, you want to figure out where did it come from? Well, this is one of the places that it came from. First, it came from God. We've established that and we're going to do it a little bit more. But this is, listen, look at this quote. He knows not how to rule a kingdom, what cannot manage a province, nor can he wield a province that cannot order a city, nor can he order a city that knows not how to regulate a village, nor he a village that cannot guide a family, nor can that man govern well a family that know not how to govern himself, neither can any govern himself unless his reason be lord, will, and appetite over her vassals, nor can reason rule unless herself be ruled by God and wholly obedient to him. Goes all the way back. So the idea is no one can rule a kingdom unless they're obedient to God. That's literally what he just said. But he took us all the way back through all the steps. And I love that it builds, right? It goes from governing yourself to governing your reason to governing uh, your family, to governing your, your village, your city, your province, your state, your ki- like it builds out. 
That's why this idea that we put people in power who have no concept and have never had any positions of authority is so violating to who we are as believers. Because that right there is the fundamental principle. If you don't know how to govern in the little things, how can you govern in the big things? If you can't govern at home, yes, that was a rhetorical question Nate answered. You can't. If you can't govern this, then you cannot govern out there. That's it. It's the end of the story. And so when we see these men and women who are like lose control at a microphone or they're just like out doing whatever they want, that is a, that is a red flag. Warning bells should be going off like, hey, if you can't govern your own passions, how do you expect to govern our city, our state, or our nation? That is a huge red flag. And we as believers have a responsibility to maintain our post as watchmen on the wall to protect against or to protect against enemies both foreign and domestic. Those out there and right now those in here. Jesus said this in John 5:30 on this idea of self-government. I can do nothing on my own. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, said this. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me. Jesus understood self-government because self-government requires submission to authority. I've said this a few times in other, in other messages. I get real nervous when I hear somebody say, Oh, it's just me and Jesus. It better not be. It better not be. Because if it's just you and Jesus, you are cruising for a bruising and you are headed towards error. I promise you. You are headed to error. You want to know how cults develop? That way. That's how they develop. They're just like, oh, you know, like I'm just going to get my own. No, don't get your own ideas. Don't get your own ideas. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. It's already been invented for you. And as we submit to godly leadership, we can run things up the ladder and say, hey, I'm, I'm starting to think this. And they can be like, that's dumb. Please don't believe that. Like that's, because I, I need that level of bluntness. Please do not dance around with me. Just come right out and say it like, yeah, that's, that's really stupid. You should stop believing that immediately. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Stop believing that right now. So, if this is self-government, right, that, that's the, that's, that is why what has happened in our country is such a violation to us. Because our government is essentially telling us, we don't think you can govern yourself. So we're going to do it for you. And what we read in scripture and what we read from the men and women, both who founded our country and what they were reading, they fundamentally believe that, yes, we can. And we're going to discover why that is in a little bit. So that's why self-government is so important. Because I wanted to paint that picture for you of like, well, why self-government and what is self-government and all those things. Because if we can get an understanding of why, Simon Sinek wrote a book called Start With Why. If we can start with the why, why self-government, then what follows of how do we get there, that makes more sense. Because if I just tell you we need to get there and you're like, can you explain to me why? That I wanted to start there. So are we all good? Are we good? Are we all tracking? Good? Okay, good. All right. So how do we get to self-government? Number one, we must return to our identity. We must return to our identity. 
Genesis 1.26, so the original design of man. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female. Male and female, he created them. That's it. That's, that's, all. that's the only two options. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Though it doesn't say it expressly in this passage, I want to submit to you that Adam and Eve were not going to be capable of governing the earth if they could not govern themselves. There is a reason why God did not station an angel with a flaming sword in front of the tree. He must be able to see, can you govern yourself? It's the same reason why love has to means choice. If I force you to love me, you're not loving me. Thank you, Kyle. So, based on that, the Declaration of Independence says this. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station, right? So man is separate and separate from all the other created beings because we have a spirit. The separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. So what are they saying there? Because that's really, we don't talk like this anymore. As Nick Cage so eloquently said in National Treasure, people don't talk like this anymore. So what are they saying? He's saying, look, not just now, but when in the course of human events, meaning it doesn't, it couldn't, it may be now, it's for now for sure, there may be other times that it, there comes a time to do this, that we need to break off from the tyranny that we're under. It becomes necessary for what? For us to acknowledge the laws of nature. Nature has a law. Nature has a law. Okay, if I throw something up, it's going to come back down. Gravity, no matter how, you can argue against it, you can fight against it, gravity wins 100% of the time. Okay, there is a law. But those laws didn't just poof out of nowhere. They came from nature's God. So at that point, once you acknowledge that there are laws in nature and that there is a God of nature, it's a good idea for you to say, hey, these are the reasons why we're going to do what we're about to do. We're not just going to do it. We're going we're to express to you why. So based on that, based on saying this is the intention of this document, he goes on, Thomas Jefferson, who wrote it, goes on to lay out this and these truths. We hold these truths to be self-evident. In other words, obvious. They're obvious. They were obvious then. They may not be so obvious now. That all men are created equal. That they are endowed, not equity, equality. Equalness of beginning not equalness of outcome. We're not all guaranteed to end up at the same place. We are all guaranteed to start at the same place. 
that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Unalienable means you can't give them away and they can't be taken away. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That based on the original, this is who we are designed to be. That our rights, which came from God, they did not come from government. Our government did not give us our right. God gave us our rights. And they are life, they are liberty, and they are the pursuit of happiness. Originally, it was actually property, um, but they changed it to the pursuit of happiness. By the way, I just want to clarify this. That pursuit of happiness can actually be counterproductive, right? Because people think, well, it makes me happy. I don't care if it makes you happy, but it makes me happy. That's not what they meant. They meant pursuit of happiness because liberty is the freedom to pursue things that are virtuous. Not just whatever I want to do whenever I want to do it, like it talks about in Judges, which we'll talk about in a minute. Romans 12.3 says this, Because of the privilege and authority that God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think of yourself better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. I'm going to tell you, if we don't really genuinely understand who we are, then we're going to have a much lower opinion of our nation. That's what makes the 1619 Project so so egregious because it, we're trying to teach our children that we were founded fundamentally on slavery. We were not founded upon slavery. We were founded upon Genesis 1, through 28. We were founded on nature, the laws of nature and nature's God. That's where our foundation is. That does not mean that we did not make mistakes along the way. We need to treat, teach a holistic view of our history. I'm not saying that our that our founders didn't make mistakes. They did. They were men and women just like you and me. Guess what? You make mistakes too. We all do. But what I'm saying is, is we, if we understand where we came from, then it gives us something to fight for. Because we can look back at the original blueprint and say, that's who we are. We're fighting to get back to who we are. So that the revival that God wants to bring can come through in spirit and in truth because it's connected to our original DNA that, he, that our founders put in place when they founded this nation. As we return to our, so here's the application. As we return to our identity, we reclaim his image that is born into the fabric of our country. So returning to our identity is number one. Secondly, we must recount our history. Judges 2 10 through 19, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but I just want you to look at the first verse in this passage. After that, meaning after Joshua's generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. If you've read Judges, let me tell you, it is a nuts book. There is some crazy stuff that goes down in Judges. Most of it ain't good. There's a lot of stuff that happens in there. But the reason why the not good stuff takes place is because of that verse right there. A generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. We must remember who we are. And we must remember the God's providential history that is woven all through our history. Every, I mean, just read the stories of bulletproof George Washington. They tried to kill this man, and they could not kill this man. He was supernaturally protected. 
Going on to verse 17, it says, Yet Israel did not listen to the judges, who were basically generals, but prostituted themselves by worshiping other gods. How quickly they turned away from the path of their ancestors, who had walked in obedience to the Lord's commands. If we don't build our lives and our nation upon the word of God, which it was found, if we don't get back to this, we will be swayed by every new thing that's out on the media. Two years ago, it was COVID. A year ago, it was critical race theory, and we're system, we've got systemic racism all through our country. It, it's just, it's a new thing. It's a, it's a new flavor of the month, right? It's like, what are we doing now? What are we angry at now? Like, let's find something else to be angry about. And I'm telling you, when we found ourselves on the original blueprint, the standard, then we're not going to be swayed by, well, this, and now we're angry about that. And it's like, what, what is God saying? What, is, what, what are his thoughts? And when we get back to this, that's how we reclaim self-government because we submit ourselves to God, what are you saying right now? And we're not swayed by what's going on out there in the world or, you know, on MSNBC or CNN or even Fox News. I'm just going to hit them all. Newsmax, whichever one you want to drink from, all of them. They're, they're all, they all have an agenda. They all have an agenda. I just want to clarify that self-government does not mean this, like it says in Judges 17.6 and again in 21.25. In those days, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. This is not self-government. This is licentiousness, and it is sin, and it is evil. And the world would love to tell you that, no, no, just do whatever you want. That's not sin. Or, I mean, that's not liberty. It's not freedom, and it's not self-government. Alcoholics can drink as much alcohol as they want. Guess what? If you ask them, they don't feel free. They're the most miser- some of the most miserable people you'd ever meet. They may act like they're great. They may act like everything's okay. But guess what? They, get to, they are with themselves wherever they go. And so when they lay their hit, head on the pillow at night or any other ad- whatever other addiction you want to throw in there, it, it makes people miserable. It's like I can do it as much as I want, but it doesn't satisfy the deep longings in our heart. This does. Self-government does. So in, in the idea of history... I want to read to you a couple, some quotes. First from this guy by the name of John Eliot. John Eliot was a missionary to the Massachusetts Indians. And every time that he would, uh, there would be a, an Indian that got saved, he would bring them into what were known as praying towns. Basically, he would separate them from their tribe and bring them into a community of people who had also been saved and were giving themselves to the practice of prayer removing them from the influence of sin, which they had been in, and bringing them into the influence of righteousness, which they needed to be in. That's why this prayer room is so important. And he says this, It is the commandment of the Lord that a people should enter into covenant with the Lord to become his people even in their civil society as well as in their church society, whereby they submit themselves to be ruled by the Lord in all things, receiving from him both the platform of their government and all their laws, which when they do, then, then, Christ reigneth over them in all things, they being ruled by his will and by the word of his mouth. Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two talks about God being our king, our lawgiver, and our judge. This is where we got the three branches of government. King, executive, lawgiver, legislative, judge, judicial. 
This is where they got that idea. And, this, and he's the one talking about it. This is all the way back in 1659. America wasn't even a thought at this point. James Madison in Federalist 55, as they're trying to convince America. So the Federalist Papers, for those of you that don't know, the Federalist Papers were written to the states in order to convince them that signing and ratifying the Constitution was the right idea for America. So in that, he says this, as there is a degree of depravity in mankind which requires a certain degree of circumspection and distrust, so there are other qualities in human nature which justify a certain portion of esteem and confidence. In other words, there is good and bad in everyone. Republican, small r Republican, just so we're clear on that, Republican government presupposes the existence of these qualities, good and bad, in a higher degree than any other form. Were the pictures which have been drawn by the political jealousy of some among us faithful likenesses of the human character? In other words, they're saying they're trying to paint a completely different picture of who man is. The inference would be that there is not sufficient virtue among men for self-government and that nothing less than the chains of despotism can restrain them from destroying and devouring one another. What he's saying is there are those out there, factions, those that are, you know, kind of following that flavor of the month idea that the new thing to be angry at, they're going to convince you that man can't govern themselves. And so the only thing that can do it is tyranny and despotism, and that's going to change. We're going to bind you in with take your freedoms away, and that's going to help you to stay on, on track. And what Madison is saying is, no, 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 no. Man can self-govern himself as long as he is submitted to the Lord. Because another quote from John Adams, our second president, he says this. He says, we have no government armed with power, capable of contending with human passions that are unbridled by morality and religion. Avarice, ambition, revenge, or gallantry would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. Our Constitution, listen to this, our Constitution is designed only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate for any other. Our second president said that. Robert Winthrop at the annual meeting of the Massachusetts Bible Society in 1849 says that all societies of men must be governed in some way or another. The less they have of stringent state government, the more they must have of individual self-government. The less they rely on public law or physical force, the more they must rely on private moral restraint. Because here's the deal, guys. I, in this society, and I, I'm as guilty of this as anyone, this idea of we need, we need smaller and less government. That's good. But what's going to take its place? My dad said this so many times to me. It got old. Sometimes he used it right, sometimes not so much. Um, (laughs) Nature abhors a vacuum. If you remove the current structure, what's going to fill the void? And what needs to fill the void is a church who knows who she is because she knows how she was designed. 
who knows who America is because she knows how she was designed. And when we can invite people into the place of self-government, then we can go, we can make the argument, hey, we need smaller government because people can govern themselves. Why? Because they have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit living inside of them, governing them. That is taking control of the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. As we recount our history, we will reclaim our inheritance. His inheritance. As the Moravian said, it is our job to win for the Lord the reward of his suffering. America is the reward of his suffering. Let me say that again. America is the reward of his suffering. This nation is his reward. And so are you. As we discover that we are his reward, self-governing, we will, we will once again unlock the reality of like, oh my gosh, if I'm his reward, then our nation must be his reward as well. Yeah. Lastly, we must retake our authority. There are five spheres of authority that I want to talk about super quick, and I'm going to run through these. The first is in our pursuit as I said earlier, liberty is the freedom to pursue virtue. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than to conquer a city. The writer of Proverbs, Proverbs were written to teach people how to reign in life. The, write, the author of Proverbs says that it's actually better to have self-control than to have the ability to conquer a city. That that's more important. The second sphere of authority is in your profession. In your job, make it your goal to live a quiet life. I need to highlight that word quiet personally. Thank you for moving the mouse cursor to the word quiet so that I remember. Minding your own business and working with your hands. That word, Minding your own business, that's, that's a really good clue. Maybe don't be on social media as much. Yeah, I, I know... Real quiet. Uh, working with your hands, something my dad did so well, just as we instructed you before, and then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Thirdly, in the place of prayer, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, we talk about this verse a lot, but I want to highlight verse 2. Pray this way. In other words, pray for God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them for your kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Guys, I'm going to encourage you. Let's not just pray for what's to come for our nation in 2022, 2024, and beyond, and not just where we've been and wishing that things hadn't gone down the way that they did, for those of you that are real upset about that. Let's pray for where we are. Pray for Joe Biden. Pray for Kamala Harris. Pray for Nancy Pelosi. Pray for Chuck Schumer. Pray for Kevin McCarthy. Pray for our justices on the Supreme Court. Pray for these men and women. Intercede for them. Ask God to help them and give thanks for them because they have just as much of the image of God as you do. They're not stripped of that just because we don't agree with them politically. If you don't agree with them politically, maybe you do. Guys, God is not Republican or Democrat. He's king. That's the end of the story on that. But the point is, is that it's our job to pray for these men and women. So pursuit, we have response, we have authority in our pursuit, in our profession, in the place of prayer, in our property. 
In other words, everything that is under your responsibility. 1 Timothy 3.5 says, For if a man can't manage his household, how can he take care of God's church? We just talked about that. Hugo Grotius talks about that. If you can't manage your home, you can't take care of a church or anything else for that matter. And lastly, worship team, you can come up. Lastly, in our proclamation, I'm so grateful for the awakening of evangelism in our house. In Acts 24, 25, Paul is talking, it's talking about Paul. He says, as he reasoned with them about or about righteousness and self-control and the coming day of judgment, Felix became frightened and says, go away for now, he replied. When it's more convenient, I'll call for you again. His evangelism in that moment was to talk about righteousness, your need for self-control, and that there's a coming day of judgment. As Nate has so eloquently said numerous times, it's the most loving thing we can do to tell people that if they don't name Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they're going to hell. It's actually one of the most loving things we can do. Because if we see somebody going off of a cliff and we don't stop them, we are as guilty of them going off the cliff as they are for driving there. Look, when I was growing up, if my mom and dad saw me running out into the street into the middle of oncoming traffic, they weren't like, he's self, he can do whatever he wants. He's doing what's right in his own eyes. No, they had a responsibility to me to bring me back and be like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. And not only that, we're probably going to spank you so that we reinforce the idea that that's a terrible idea. By the way, I got spanked and I turned out fine. Okay, so for what it's worth. Lastly, as we retake our authority, we reclaim his influence. I am so passionate to see America return to who she is. And I hope that today, as I've shared, you are as well. That's just the tip of the iceberg. You go back and you read these original primary source documents, you will find yourself falling in love once again with the nation as she was designed to be, not as we've been told she is. Church, we've been lied to. We have been lied to. And it is time for us to get angry, not at those who are spreading the lies, but against the, de the demonic forces that have deceived us into believing something that isn't true. We've got to return to our identity. We've got to recount our history. And we've got to retake our authority. Everybody, if I could invite you to stand. Prayer teams, if you'll come up. I'm going to dismiss you guys in a minute. But I want to read to you out of Jeremiah 31. This is about the nation of Israel. But it is no less true for us. Jeremiah 31, 31 says, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. 
I will be their God and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. This is the covenant that God is looking to make with America. He's looking to make the exact same covenant with us, to write his law on the tablet of our hearts so that we can indeed become a nation who is self-governed. If you'll bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you for the gift of our nation. God, we thank you for men and women of faith who saw fit to break off the bonds of tyranny, to found a country dedicated to the perpetrating of the gospel upon the earth. God, we ask, I ask for every single man, woman, and child, God, that you would awaken the flame of liberty in our hearts. Awaken the desire to bring us back to who we are. That no longer will we just complain and get angry about the things as they are. But God, that you would awaken in this house a bride who takes responsibility and says, we will bring America back to God. We will return. Cause us, Holy Spirit, to fall in love again with you first and then with a love of our country because it is the reward of your suffering. We bless you. Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon. To download the notes and slides for this message, visit our website, riverinthehills.com. If you would like to partner with us in moving God's heart and changing the world, please subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and share this episode with a friend.